This is the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. Here's Jeremy Bierenbaum and Mike Herzing. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Let's Talk Wheels. I'm Mike Herzing, along with the awesome Jeremy Bierenbaum. How you doing, my friend? Hope you had a great holiday. Yeah, way too full, right? I'm still trying to work it all off. Yeah, aren't we all? I tell you what, it was a great uh, deal we had. Of course, I'm I'm the dad, so we had everybody at my house, and I uh, said you don't have that for a while, so you're still uh, you're yeah, next. But I, you're next. But I did the turkey for the first time this year, and it turned out all right. So can't complain with that. Yes, we had slowly my- taking on different responsibilities. There you go. What, I, the last few years, I've done a. Uh, you know, the ham and the turkeys and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of cool, but you know, pretty soon it'll be my son taking over and I'll be laying back a little bit. And my brother handed off to me a couple of few years ago. And so that's kind of cool, but uh, I'm glad everything in LA is okay here. It's a little cold, you know, it's been in the forties and fifties, but uh, in LA, I'm sure it's wonderful, right? Yeah, it's not too bad. You know, I was in Portland during the week and it was way too cold for my LA blood. It was in like the thirties. I couldn't handle it. Oh, I got to toughen up, right? <laughs> you got to toughen up. All right, folks. Uh, every week, we're going to give you automotive news, interviews, car reviews, and classic car information from our friends at Classic.com. And don't forget, you can catch this show as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, SportsMapRadio.com, and Classic.com. They spell it C-L-A-S-I-Q.com. And yeah, we know they can't spell, but we love them anyway. So be sure to subscribe so that way you don't miss a thing. Uh, this week, folks, I'm going to inter- review the 2022-2023 Toyota Tundra, you know, the new generation one. They totally redesigned it, finally, after, I think, 14 years of being basically the same. Uh, it's about time. It's about time, and they made a big changes. I mean, it's really a, a different a different vehicle. So on our interview segment this week, we're going to talk to Ford's Jennifer Brace about their 11th annual Global Trends Survey. You know, you and I both said, what the hell they need to do a survey about global trends? Well, this is a survey where Ford finds out what everybody wants and what we're worrying about so we can, they can build cars that they're going to buy, seeing as they build cars five and six years in advance, which is kind of scary because this country is a mess right now. <laughs> we don't know what we want, do we? <laughs> Definitely not. It really makes sense, though, when you think about it. Yeah, it really does. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Crazy news. Uh, in the news segment, so that's going to be kind of creepy. So we'll move on to our news and, and notes segment coming up next, right here on the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. We'll be right back after the break, so hang on. You're listening to the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. Here's Jeremy Bierenbaum and Mike Herzing. Welcome back, everybody, to Let's Talk Wheels. This is our news and notes segment where we're going to give you an idea of what's happening in the industry, automotive industry, this week. There's some crazy stuff. First of all, price of used cars is coming down. Thank you. That's good. It's about time. Finally, right? A lot Finally, of some new cars. You know, a lot of it has to do with the news, new cars. Is uh, Price of new cars is, is coming down because of the supply is coming back a little bit. And a lot of it has to do with also... People can't afford new cars because the interest rates are going up so high. And so yeah, people are having to both. buy used cars. And the price of used cars is coming down a little bit because the interest rates on used cars are going up. <laughs> so people just can't sell them for as much. you know. And that's kind of sad, but just the way it is. So let's hope it that continues. It's yeah, probably you down of... 10%. You know? And it makes a difference because they were ridiculously priced. But 
definitely oh. just just driving around and seeing your local dealers and seeing how many more cars on the lot is just a good sign right it's better it's better yeah i we were drove, driving a couple of chevy dealers recently as in yesterday and coming back from the lake house and i saw one of the chevy dealers has got like about 200 vehicles in but they're all fleet vehicles they're all white trucks and vans and i'm like Okay, they got a bunch of fleet vehicles, and I mean, are you kidding me? They're all roll-up windows, and you know, no, that's that's actually a really interesting sign, though, because for a long time they were making very few fleet vehicles right. because it was the least least money that right. they would make profitable. on the car. Right, yeah, at least yeah. Pro- there we go, my silly brain right now, least yeah. profitable. Um, but we're starting to see them again, so they're you know they're cranking out more cars. Yeah, or maybe they're just less chips, or you know, eventually they had to get rid of all the parts they had, but. Uh, they are, um, they got them. So there you go. So check with if you're if you're a Chevy guy or a GM guy, um, uh, check out the the Chevy dealer because they they had a couple of dealers here in town have gotten, you know, probably about a hundred, which is a lot. So that's that's exciting. I hear some stuff is going on at the Bonneville Soft Flats. Jeremy, tell us about that. Yeah, it's kind of a sad story. Unfortunately, there's been this race against time in the salt flats because there's been a lot of flooding in the previous years. They haven't been able to run um, their speed races. Mm-hmm. So um, anyone's unfamiliar, the Bonneville salt flats are in West Wendover, Utah. Um, it's a beautiful sight to see. If you ever go out there, it feels like you're on another planet. Right. Um, and it's these long expanses of uh, salt that are super flat. And so they're used to set land speed records. Right. But with all the, the no rain and things like that, we've had the drought, uh, the, the salt is getting real thin and they yeah, had to the go is- in and, and, and flood it with brine, pay other States to come in and flood it. And uh, that, that hasn't, you know, that we just don't have the money for that and we don't have the water. And so it's a, uh, it's a, uh, Basically, the salt flats are a remnant of a prehistoric lake bed, and that's a big deal. And, yeah, come to find out, that was a box. Remember the movie Independence Day and mm-hmm. World's Fastest Indian? Those were the two big deals where um, the salt flats were there. And it was – I have so many friends that go out to the salt flats, and they absolutely adore the stuff. It's just, just really neat. Um, but they've had – you know, evaporation and this groundwater problems. And, and it's basically, it's, it's thin. The the salt is thin by about a third over the last 60 years. And it's about half, it's about the half of the size it used to be uh, from its peak in 1994. So it's, it's neat because that the tire, the crust keeps the tires cool at high speeds and it's just perfect for racing. Um, it's just really neat. And, uh, but because of all of the aquifers and stuff that are being down and things like that, and it's just it's nothing slow deterioration. So hopefully they're figuring out a way to to researchers are trying to pinpoint why the salt's fading and what they can do to stop it. So there's a research project, about a million dollar research project spearheaded by the Utah Geological S- Survey, and they're trying to figure out what in the hell's going on and what they can do to fix it. And I wish them all the luck. So um let's move on to nascar how yeah, about this, this is pretty exciting why you don't know, you, uh... nfl's going to germany and they go to europe and now nascar is going to go to le mans you know i know ford's going back but um nascar is going to go to le mans next year and test 
one of their cars. They're going to take a cup car, you know, that new generation cup car, and they're going to change it a little bit. And it's just for a demonstration, just for um, some kind of information. But they're going to they're going to start in the back of the race and um, run this cup car. And it's going to be modified because um, it's going to have a little bit different front and rear spoilers. And it's going to have some some different spoilers to help give it downforce because the one the cars that they use on the ovals okay they don't have a lot of downforce and things like that well they don't um, need a lot of downforce no they really don't for the speeds they're going right and then on their on the road race courses they don't change it's just very small bodywork changes compared to an oval track but when you go to le mans and you're and you're going you know at a 200 miles an hour you've got to have different downforce you've got to have a different basically a different design car bodywork has to be different and what they're doing is they've now um changed the front end and back end you know aerodynamics and there's some mechanical updates to make it more suitable for road racing and to hope keep it down on the track and uh a car is going to be lighter and it has going to have more power either 510 or 670 horse uh but it's um the uh let's see that the the transmission is going to be a let's see uh automatic i guess and I'm it's got a, what... a steering column yes. uh that's going to have a, instead of a, a shifter in the center basically a manual shifter like you know in the uh, you know on the center console it's going to have a paddle shifters okay which is what road racers use because you don't take your hands off the steering wheel and uh and it's really kind of cool. And they're going to go and get, it's called Garage 56, which is their their program that they use to showcase future technologies. And um, they're going to use that and they're going to go and then uh, uh, they had previously tested the standard Cup Series car. And this one's about 10 seconds quicker on around the course than the other one is. And uh, this is really going to be great. And I have a feeling that they're going to maybe start running some races over in Europe. And I think that's really neat because I think they're yeah. fun. I think it's yeah, fun. That's it's what, that's cool. what I'm curious. Why, why NASCAR would be going to Le Mans versus running it stateside at somewhere like Sebring is to test or gauge what kind of interest, you know, the Europeans have in NASCAR. Um, but you know, we're seeing it with F1, it travels all around the world. It's, um, little expensive for the teams right to get across the pond but uh i think there's a big drive for the europeans to see it well you know they're coming over here with f1 and they're doing a lot of things with f1 bringing it over here um and you know it's it's you yeah you know, what are they three races in the states now for f1 and yep. they've been wildly popular and they've got a series you know that's going really well on netflix and now they're bringing or is an one well, i think it's netflix and now mm-hmm. they're bringing a nascar series but so why not let nascar go over to go to europe and try to bring in some there's a lot of advertisers and it's a lot of money so all right folks don't forget to catch the let's talk wheels podcast on itunes spotify audio boom sportsmapradio.com and classic.com You can hear our bonus segment on the podcast where we have an extra car review and talk about some more classic cars. So be sure to subscribe. And if you haven't checked out Jeremy's classic.com, C-L-A-S-I-Q.com site, please do it because that way you find interesting interviews about some of those with some of the most iconic designers of the muscle car era. Easy for me to say. They also have how-to guides on buying and selling classic cars. Add that to the dozens of classic cars and trucks for sale. And you got a really cool site.
You can also go to our Let's Talk Wheels Facebook page. Let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover. You can always email me at jeremy at classic.com or mike at mike at let's talk wheels.com. We love to hear your questions. It's all right, folks. Uh, hang on. We got our car review segment coming up next. And uh, we're going to talk about the, the Toyota Tundra, the next gen Tundra. A lot of cool stuff happening. So hang on. More to come right here on the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. Mike Herzing and Jeremy Berenbaum. We'll be right back right after the break. You're listening to the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. Here's Jeremy Bierenbaum and Mike Herzing. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wheels. This is our car review segment. And this week I want to talk about the 2022-2023 Toyota Tundra. Now, the one I drove was the TRD off-road. And they make a couple of the TRDs. That's their, their kind of their their I don't know. They're they're a high performance version. They make an off road, and then they have a, the TRD um, Pro Pro, and uh, the off road is going to be you know that. But first of all, let me go back. Basically, the Tundra stayed about the same about fourteen years. That's their that's their full size uh, pickup truck that they compete against. You know the the Titan. They can Nissan Titan. They compete against the Ram fifteen hundred. The the GMC Sierra, the uh, Chevy Silverado, and the Ford F one fifty. Boom! It's a great vehicle. Um, it is easily fourth in sales. Uh, it's head of the it's head of the Nissan, but you know Toyota has never really um, done a whole lot for it. Okay, it's a nice truck. It really is. It's always gotten horrible fuel economy. And they don't ever put a whole lot into it. Now it's always had a V8 or a V6. That now being they, said, they were they were pretty bulletproof cars, right? They've always bulletproof cars. Oh, everything Toyota makes is very good. Uh, they have changed it all around. They made it bigger. They got rid of the V8. They put it on with a V6 twin turbo, which is what Ford has done. Ford still has a V8 available, but the Toyota decided not to do that. You can get it either 348 horsepower or 379 horsepower V6. Got a 10-speed transmission. You can get it as a as a crew cab or a extra cab. You know, 5.5, 6.5, or 8.1 foot bed. They went to coil springs rear suspension, which is what Ram has. It really makes it ride much better than your average truck. It'll tow twelve thousand pounds, which is a little bit behind the rest of the of the competition, but not bad. Um, they make this in like nine different trim levels. You know, anywhere you start off about thirty eight thousand, all the way up to about seventy seven, almost seventy eight thousand dollars for a truck, which is about what they are. Like I said, the one I had was a TRD off road with eighteen inch wheels and skid plates and rock rails and. And it's raised up a little bit and fancy exhaust and, and you know, off-road tires and all this kind of stuff. It was it It is very, very capable off-road. It has all the, the goodies on the, da- the dash and the, and the gauges and everything for off-roading. And it is really neat. It's got the camera views and all this good stuff. I mean, it was really is very, very capable. And the and that. V6 hauls butt. You punch it, it goes. I mean, oh, yeah. Now, 
uh, I think I ended up getting about, I think it's rated at 20 something miles per I ended up getting about 18 on the highway and uh, 17 in the city, 16 and a half, 17. That's about right. I mean, it's, how, and it's four wheel drive and all that other how, good stuff. How'd the sure. suspension feel? Because I know the off road's got the more off road suited suspension, which is great off road, but on road might be a it's little rough. Still. Pretty good because don't forget it's got that link coil suspension, kind of like the Ram, like my wife's yeah. Ram, and it it rides so much better than the Ford or the GM and all that stuff. It just doesn't bounce around. It really is nice. Now, if I was going to buy one of these, I would buy the Capstone or the uh, seventeen ninety four with something like that. I would have bought the hybrid also, which gets a little bit better fuel economy. It's got a little you know hybrid powertrain. Um, but the capstone is the top of the height, the, the, the top of the food chain, kind of like the Laramie Longhorn is, or the or the the uh, you need those, you know, for for the Ram, or kind of like the Denali is something like that. It's it's just top of the food chain. Um, it's, it's got it's the beautiful the nicest, interior, the beautiful interior, this and that's one, something that Toyota didn't really ever have available no, in any of their Tundra trucks. They have really upgraded the interiors. It's got all kinds of cubby holes and things like this. Um, like I said, it, it always says it's always capable. I mean, it really is. And it's a good looking truck. This is a big truck, a big grill, big hood, you know, all this other stuff. But these things are very, very, very nice. Very, very well built. Price exactly the same as everybody else. You can get, like I said, this one's the one I got was four wheel drive and, and think this is nice. It's got inside, you know, it's got a 12.3 inch digital gauge panel. So you can move it all around. It's got a 14 inch touchscreen. The screen is almost too big. Okay. It, it's huge. It's very um, clean though. And then they got some yep. buttons underneath it as well. Yeah. But they need probably another button or two, but it's, it's okay. Um, it had, you know, Android Auto and, and, and all this kind of stuff. It has wireless charging. Unfortunately, it won't work with my outer box case on my on my phone, which is what <laughs> some of them won't, which is which is one of my tests that I do. The driver assist technology is everything. It all works really well. Um, the screen is easy to use. That's all of their their infotainment is very intuitive and things like that. It's it's very, very nice. Uh it's it's a nice truck. Um, the Toyota people that'll buy this will love it. Okay. Cause it's got, it has, instead of being 13 miles a gallon, it's going to get 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, depending on how you drive it. Um, and, and that's one of the Achilles heel was, was the fuel economy and the interior. And it's much better. This one is still a little, got some hard plastic in it. I would have got the capstone or something like that, but it's some of the, the, the uh, panels and stuff are still hard plastic, which I would have think it would be different, but that's okay. They've got some more work to do on it, but that's all right. It's a nice vehicle. I mean, this is really nice, and it's a Toyota, for God's sake. It's built really, really well. So if you haven't checked out the Toyotas, by all means, check them out because they have changed. And I'm sure they're going to re- redo the, the Tacoma next. They should. Yeah, it's, and it's been the I- same forever. I think that Tacoma 4Runner are going to take a lot of the same styling cues that you oh, see sure. within this car here. Yeah, they redid the Sequoia and they redid this one. And, and it's, you know, they need to do that. But it, it's it's a nice vehicle. Toyota's is pretty um, conservative. 
and they don't change your stuff up, you know, a whole lot. And when they do, they, they think about it a lot, you know, and then yeah. they'll eventually change it. And, um, uh, but it's, it was a really, really nice vehicle. I'm, I'm really happy with it and I really love it. And it's striking looking. So, and the people that own them are going to love them. I have to admit, Toyota people love these things. The so, capstone edition is is really gorgeous inside. Oh. Really see it taking some of that upmarket um, from from some of the American brands, just yep. because Toyota didn't have that, and now they do. Yeah, well, they had the seventeen ninety four, and it was very nice. It really did. Only thing, in, only thing with shortcomings were the fuel economy. Now the cab is still not quite as big as the Ram uh, and some of the Fords. Not quite. It's close. But it's not quite as big, um, but still, I mean that's okay. It, it you know it doesn't have to be ginormous. And it, the people that love this thing is going to, I mean, unfortunately, or fortunately, these this this segment is unbelievably loyal it's to the huge. brand. To the yeah. brand, I mean, I mean, it's just these people that might as well get a tattoo of their brand because they don't ever change. <laughs> Even if the car blows up and, and is the worst vehicle in the world, they'll just go, well, I'll wait till the next one. They don't ever think about changing brands. And it's just the way it is. All right. How, some, so your uh, your week was good, huh, Jeremy? Yes. A little bit too overindulgent, if I could say. How about How about did you buy anything on Black Friday? No, I didn't go too crazy. What about yeah. yourself? No, not at all. I mean... And I think Saturday was supposed to be don't buy anything Saturday. So that's because you can't. Uh, have, that's because you can't afford it if, anything after I, everything yeah, on Friday. And, and on Cyber Monday, I'm probably not going to do anything either. So I think I will just save my money. Yeah, but I'm we got you there. No kidding. That's that's going to be like save your money uh, day. You know. So either way. All right, folks, we got to go. Uh, it's good to, to uh, that. To hang on, we're going to have Jennifer Brace coming up next from Ford. Going to talk about why Ford does some of these things they do, which is kind of strange. But talk about their uh, their big survey, their their National Trends survey. Very important, very neat, very strange. Let's see how they do it. And Jeremy's going to answer some, ask her some strange questions. You're going to like them. <laughs> so hang on, we'll be right back with Jennifer Brace from Ford. Welcome back. Let's talk wheels. Mike cursing Jeremy Berenbaum. Okay, this is for our interview segment. And this week, we're going to talk to Jennifer Brace that we had talked to talked about earlier in the show from Ford. She's going to talk to us about their annual trends report. Now, we're going to ask her why in the heck they do this and how interesting it is, because the more and more Jeremy and I talked about it, we're going, this is pretty cool. So, Jennifer, welcome to Let's Talk Wheels and explain to us about the Ford's annual trends report and why you have such a cool job. Hi, thank you for having me and for thinking my job is cool. I couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah, we focus on trends uh, here at Ford and, and with my job in trends and futuring, we do an annual survey. So this is the 11th year that we've run the survey and we are intentionally looking to get kind of a consumer sentiment, understanding what's going on in the world, understanding how people are feeling about it and really trying to keep our our kind of our thumb on the pulse of what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason that we do it is because we want to understand 
how are attitudes, behaviors changing? How are consumers feeling about what's happening around them? Because then what we do is we take that sentiment and we work with teams internally to figure out how it might come back and impact us and how we might kind of plan and strategize around what we need to be prepared for in the future to be successful. So it's kind of taking all of this data, looking at the world at a really broad lens and being able to um, kind of connect the dots around what it might mean. So if people are feeling overwhelmed and stressed out, how might we as Ford Motor Company be able to help with that? What might what role might the vehicle play or what role might service play in kind of helping to, to maybe like calm those fears or those anxieties, that stress that everybody's feeling? Wow. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, I mean, so you actually ask customers uh, a bunch of questions. They didn't ask me if I wanted the Pinto back, but I do, you know, but we <laughs> All won't right. even uh, you ask know, about... I'm going to take a note. I'm making a yeah. note right now. Yeah. I'm going to take Bring that back. The Pinto and the Granada, you know, okay. But either way, yes, we won't even get into that. But, but I mean, so you go and ask these people. So let's talk about that. All right. First of all, um, do you particularly, do you go for a cross section of America? I mean, because wh- I know yeah. you said you're a futurist. And, mm-hmm. and things like that. So you want to figure out, because you guys build cars. Right now, you're all working on cars five and six years from now. I mean, they're, they're, they're on it. They're hit. I mean, they're on it. I mean, they're, they're building these things, probably even producing some of them to test that are cars that are four and five and six years from now. And that's hard to do because you don't know what people want and you're trying to find out what they want. Is that is that kind of the goal? Yeah, it is a little bit. Absolutely. So you're right. It takes a long time to get a vehicle onto the road to make sure that we are getting, uh, you know, mm-hmm. everything right before it hits the road. So that that takes years. Um, and when we do this survey, we are looking globally. So we are trying to understand what's happening, not just in the U.S., but also around the world. Um, this year, we sent the survey out to 16 different countries oh. um, and we had around 1,000 people in each country. In the U.S., we actually did 2,000 because we want to be able to cut the data some extra ways in the U.S. Um, and when I say cut the data, that kind of gets us to the the type of people that we survey when we do this. So some definitely are vehicle owners. Not all of them, though. Uh, we are looking for a cross-section. We want to get really um, broad cross-sections, whether it's generationally. So we want to be able to, to look and see, are we getting a different answer, different sentiment from, say, Gen Z, which is our, our youngest consumers. They're under 25 um, compared to, say, our baby boomers. Um, so we want to be able to have a really broad cross-section, whether it be um, sex, uh, race, socioeconomic standing, um, and of course, um, generational, so an age. So we we look to be very broad so that we have the ability to to dive into the data and, and look at it from a lot of different angles. Now, Mike brought up an interesting point that, you know, this information is feeding cars that you guys are building four or five years out. Is any of it going straight to the dealers for this year? Where like, you know, Mike and I always talk about people paying these crazy um bumps on cars right now. Does any of that go back to the dealers and that's shared with them and and in a way that's trying to help you guys sell cars? Yeah. So it's all in the way that we we kind of present the data, right? So we are asking questions that are all over the map. So asking people about what is causing stress, and it might be something as simple as um, household finances, and of course, being sensitive to that. So kind of sharing that type of information with the dealers. But another thing is, um, say, mental health, people looking for um, some places to kind of relax and decompress. Seeing data like that could also feed into a conversation where the, the car serves as this kind of zen 
place where they can go to relax and that they have a bit of a, let's say like an escape pod, um, where we do see a lot of consumers saying that they're they're looking for that and that they can look to the car. We've already got one in four saying that they think that the car is this place where they go to be alone, where they go to decompress. So kind of leaning into those types of things and kind of arming, say, our dealers um, with that data, they can lean into it when it comes to kind of the sales process and understanding what roles that vehicle could play for our, our customers. Wow. You know, because, you know, a vehicle, well, at least here, becomes part of the family. You know, it's funny. It is, and, I, and I did this thing when I had my shop years ago. It was, you know, I worked at a Ford dealer and things like that. So, but but people, what's funny, on domestics, the, the traditional domestics, I know it's all messed up right now, but but the domestics, people used to name their cars. Yeah. But when you got into the imports, they didn't really name them. But, you know, cars are, are you're right, they're Zen. You see it from the earliest, I'm going for a drive. I need to go for a drive. I need to chill. I need to go out in the country and I'll get in the car or I'm just going to go sit in the car and listen to music and chill. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you're right. The car is your happy place. It yeah, I love Refuge. I love that you brought up the nicknames, too. That was actually a question that we asked in our survey last year and found that um, over 40 percent of people are still giving their cars nicknames and, oh, yeah. and leaning Easy. into that. And, and that included our youngest generation, where we often there's kind of a narrative that they don't care about cars. But um, but what we're seeing is that that's not true um, as they they were leaning into it and having, you know, kind of the parting is such sweet sorrow mentality when they were when they were selling a vehicle. Um, but getting back to kind of the, the things that you find in your car, um, one of the sentiments that came out this year was that the people um, that we surveyed, they looked to their car for joy. So 86% of people were finding joy in their cars, which is um, such a uh, kind of a positive spin on what's happening in the world and the fact that more than um, half of our respondents are feeling overwhelmed and feeling stressed around what's happening right now. Um, and you're right. Uh, actually, you're hitting on the top points in terms of more than half of people found driving in their car is a source of joy. Um, and again, more than half found that listening to music is a source of joy. So having it be this kind of separate space where they can go to and, and find some some peace, if you will, and some some small wins. Were there yeah. any stats were there go any ahead. stats from from the survey that really stood out to you or really surprised you? Oh, there is always stuff that surprises me. Um, when it comes to the car, actually kind of one of the the interesting ones that I found uh, this year when it comes to people looking to the car to get a loan and get privacy or even as like a place to work, we've seen those numbers continue to go up, especially during COVID. Um, but if we're looking globally, the part that I found really surprising, um, we had overall globally 21% of people saying that they go to the car to be alone and to get privacy. But in China, <laughs> it was at 42%, um, which oh, is wow. interesting, That's especially double. if you think about, yeah, double, exactly, um, 42%. So if you think about also maybe the, you know, it's a much more populous country than the United States. So people needing needing a little, little escape, a little time away. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. And, I know personally, uh, we, when, I, oh, go when ahead, I've please. gotten somewhere, there's either a song going on the radio or something. And you, you sit in the car for an extra couple of minutes and that's, yeah. that's your little decompression time. Keep it going. Exactly. When you're in the happy space, don't let it. Don't let it go too soon. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. Or you're singing and you're you're driving along and singing and and you're doing all this stupid stuff in the car. And if somebody looks at you, you just go at the red light and you just look over and go, oh, my God, what am I doing? You know, it's just but, you, know, you, don't, you, you don't even it. care. You're, you're, you don't even Sing louder. It's, it's your yes. World. Yeah. I, I have a question. I said it. One question you have here, 63% agree they're not going to deprive themselves of the comforts 
of life for a future that could change at any moment. So basically, they're not going to buy the cheapy car. They're not going to wait and drive an old car for a lot of years so they can put more money down or buy the car for cash. That is the opposite of the gen- my, of my parents' generation. Sure. They would they would they would forego a lot of, of, of creature comforts so they could pay for a car in cash. Okay. Yeah. And the new generations are how much is it going to cost? You know, which is the payment. You know what I mean? If yeah. for a little bit more I could get this technology. You know, do you see that in in in, in that in the uh, different generations? Yeah, you know, and this feeds into this idea that we don't have control around what's going on around the yeah, world. People sure. are feeling, um, you know, they they're they're feeling the fact that it it it's, it feels unstable, and so um, taking taking control of the things that we have ownership of and saying, yeah, you know, I can spend I can spend a little extra money and get the things that I want now because the future might might be worse than now. I should enjoy it while I have it. Um, so we absolutely do see that. We do see people putting a priority on um, on happiness and and kind of leaning into that. When you talk about the generations and, and ownership, I do think there are some interesting trends that we're seeing, okay. um, particularly with our um, the youngest generations. Uh, in one in four actually put uh, a priority if the cost was the same, they would rather have access over ownership. So being able to use a vehicle instead of having to own it. Um, and that one is, really? is particularly interesting, this idea of um, of being able to access an, a vehicle. And it, it is one in four. So it's still, you know, not a full ma- majority by any means, um, only 25%. But it is a number that we've seen increase. And it is a number that we are, uh, that we're looking at. And it's, and it's interesting to think of the way things have changed. Uh, I feel like maybe another kind of uh, ride, parallel ride, path to Ride that. sharing? Is that what that kind of maybe? I guess it could be some ride sharing. Absolutely. And, and maybe if you compare it to the way that we consume music, you can see some parallels, right? It used to be that we had to own the album. We have to own the CD. Um, and then it was uh, you're buying songs maybe on iTunes and now it's streaming. So this idea of of having what you want or what you need when you need it and not having to deal with the the ownership and the maintenance. And, and if you're living in a really populated place, the pain for parking and things like that. If you can get out of that, there's some uh, people are seeing some benefit there. There you go. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I I wonder how much location plays into it. And then it goes back to what we were saying earlier, where, you know, people really love their car. It's their place to decompress. And how much do they want to share that with someone else? Right. Yeah, there's a tension there for sure. Well, you know, here, I mean, it's just, it's, you're in high school. You, all, you you grow up, you turn 16, you always auto, automatically want a car. And in Texas, it used to be all the girls wanted a pickup truck, you know, mm-hmm. a short bed, regular cab pickup. You know, everybody wanted an F-150. And that's what all the go to the high schools and all the all the young 16-year-old girls, 17-year-old girls would all drive pickup truck to school. And if, well, I'm, a, if I'm a dad, which, you know, I am, and and, you know, that's what you want to put them in because that's the family car. You know, well, we're happy to keep selling those pickups. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, one of the interesting things we're seeing too, uh, in terms of people looking to their cars, right, as oh. as kind of a, a safe place, uh, we've seen a lot of interesting data. So one of the features that we have on our F one fifty is power on board, which basically mm-hmm. means you can use the vehicle as a generator. Right. And I know last year um, when Texas had the cold uh, sure. fronts that that kind of. Uh, impacted the power grid. People were using their trucks to power their home. We saw the same thing happen recently with the hurricane in Florida, Hurricane Ian, um, doing the same thing where we saw uh, 
127% increase in the usage of power on board where people were using it to power their homes. So the vehicle kind of serving an additional um, sense of safety or security when it's got uh, useful features like that. Jennifer, this is really interesting stuff. Is is this anything that the public can see? Absolutely, absolutely. So oh. it will be up on FordTrends.com. You guys can access it, and you'll actually be able to see data from prior years as well, because this is something, again, we've been doing for 11 years. So you'll be able to access um, the newest data as soon as we launch it, and then uh, prior years if you want to look back. This will be launched next week? or the, yes. what, when After the 21st? Yep, that is the plan. Yep. So okay. we're kind of finalizing details now. Well, that's all right. This will this will be actually be out uh, after that. So it'll be fine. Perfect. perfect. That'll be perfect. Well, Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. Jeremy, any, any closing questions? No, this is just really cool. I'm going to have to go back multiple years, and then Mike and I can argue at the, the data and see, see where it's gone. Yes. We might, we might get you to come back on at some point and, and, all right, and talk enough. about it again so you're kind of fun to talk to. Love it. Okay. Well, I would be happy to come back on anytime. You guys are great. Folks, that was Jennifer awesome. Brace from Ford, and she is a futurist. She is an awesome lady, and uh, she's got a cool job. So there we go. After this short break, we'll be right back with more Let's Talk Wheels right here on the Let's Talk Wheels radio network. You're listening to the Let's Talk Wheels radio network. Here's Jeremy Bierenbaum and Mike Herzing. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wheels. Mike Herzing and Jeremy Bierenbaum. All right, big guy. Uh, tell you what, talking to Jennifer Brace was some interesting stuff, and, and you kind of learn a little bit about why they do things. It did make sense at first to me when you told me about the survey. I was like, "Why does that make? Why, why is a company like Ford doing this?" But after you know listening to her, it makes a lot more sense. And I kind of think you know some of the more some more brands should be doing this with their customer base and and their non customer base. I think they do. They just don't tell anybody. Okay. You know, I, I, I think they really do. But you also got to understand that would explain why they come out with some of these vehicles that are so off base, that are so that just tank. And <laughs> you're going, why do they do come up with who, these? Who did they talk to when they do? Who did in this? the hell decided they should make this? You know, who came up with this dumb idea? And well, you know, all I have Nissan, to say to that is survey me, survey Mike. Yeah. We'll tell you what's right. Yeah, the Nissan Juke. Why would they do that? But either way, <laughs> all right. All right, folks. Don't forget to catch the Let's Talk Wheels podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, SportsMapRadio.com, and Classic.com. You can hear our bonus segment on the podcast where we have an extra car review and talk about some more classic cars. So be sure to subscribe. And if you haven't checked out Jeremy's Classic.com, C L A S I Q dot com site please do it because that way you find interesting interviews about some of those with some of the most iconic designers of the muscle car era era easy for me to say they also have how-to guides on buying and selling classic cars add that to the dozens of classic cars and trucks for sale and you got a really cool site you can also go to our let's talk wheels facebook page let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover you can always email me at jeremy at classic.com or mike at mike at let's talk wheels.com we love to hear your questions as always on behalf of jeremy berenbaum our producer sean mapes and myself want to thank everybody for joining us today on the let's talk wheels radio network as always folks we really give thanks for you our fans and our listeners really appreciate it we hope you always come back have a great week folks Welcome back. Let's talk wheels. 
classic car segment. And Jeremy, there was an article on foxnews.com forward slash auto all about a guy that has an almost new 1989 Pontiac Trans Am for sale. It's got 178 miles and it's been stored and regularly, I mean, really stored correctly, but it's still got plastic on the seats, man. It's got steering wheel still covered and it's got the tag on the on the key. I mean, this thing really looks nice. Yeah, you know, you hear these people that say, "Oh, I got a car that's low mileage," and and sometimes the storage in, on it isn't done properly. You can tell whoever did this had the the wherewithal to park it because of the thought that it would be worth something someday. Unfortunately for me, I think it's kind of a shame. I wish he would have been enjoyed it right yeah um, this is the same uh motor that's in the buick gnx muscle car which is you know so so well loved those cars go for some big bucks and kind of the same deal with those cars you see them trade hands a lot but you see them with a lot of low mileage not gnx is that the driven. grand national you mean yeah exactly yeah gnx doesn't sound good grand national sounds much better uh excuse me i know well, GNX is the name, but uh, four-speed automatic. Man, the motor, I mean, the engine looks showroom. I mean, it looks perfect. It's not a speck of dust on it. I mean, it's like this thing was like on the showroom floor. I mean, even the windshield washer fluid is perfectly blue. I mean, it's just like, wow, we store a muscle car. Yeah. Uh, They're not really telling us where it's going or where it's going to be sold, what he's doing with it. Um it's being offered by Restore a Muscle Car, that an outfit that rebuilds and deals in American sports cars. So they probably picked it up from somewhere, um, yeah, or from the person that was holding on to it. It's number one thousand five hundred seventeen of one thousand five hundred fifty-five. That's something we've always talked about when we're looking at cars that are collectible. You're looking at a numbered car, and this is within the last fifty cars made, which also makes it uh, quite desirable, right? Yeah. This would be perfect. I mean, this is a car you could go out and just get it and drive it because it's a, it's an Indy. Was it an Indy five hundred pace car? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, official pace car, the seventy third Indianapolis five hundred, May twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. It's got the nice gold wheels, and I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, the beautiful car. I mean, yeah, but you're uh, basically buying a brand new car, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's it's a nice car. I mean, it's so. so say you're in the market for something like this. What type of stuff are you looking for? You know, because you know, see if it's right or wrong. I mean, you're not looking for damage or anything like that. I'd mostly be looking to make sure everything was maintained properly and that that hoses haven't either cracked or leaked. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. Got to make sure that nothing's corroded. You know, fuel storage is usually one of the biggest issues with something like this, um, but it's it's a fuel injection car, so it's not that big of a deal. You just want to make sure that nothing uh, corrosive has has really gotten into anywhere. Yeah, I pull up the pull out the gas pull off the um, gas cap and look down in there, a flashlight, and make sure there's no rust in the fuel neck, and then I would double check. You know, the coolant, make sure there's no rust down in the, in, you know, the radiator, which there shouldn't be if the guy's changed the coolant, which I'm sure he has at least once. Uh, 
Probably a new set of tires, right? You know, uh, I would. About a, even if the tires are brand new, there's no way they're good anymore. I would put I would put brake lines on it. I would put tires on it. Um, this has got all the the buttons that you see on the steering wheel that are so common nowadays. But back in 1989, it was probably you know first of its time. Does it have T tops? I don't know if it has T-tops. I don't see photos. It kind of looks it. like it. I'm seeing the photo at the main photo on it. It looks like it's got a seam there at the on the top. It looks like they might have T-tops. Man, this car looks brand new. Well, it really looks brand new. You know, it really does. But I mean, you're right. I would I would take and replace all the fuel, I mean the brake lines. I would replace any of the rubber fuel lines that might need. I would to. at least I would at least ask that question or check it out. We're not saying it needs to, but when you look at a car that's you know Oh, I would change them in a heartbeat. I would yeah, I would change the brake lines, I would change the fuel lines, I would change the hoses, I would change um you know, obviously the coolant. Um and that's probably mainly it. Um I don't think I'd do anything else. Yeah, the hard me. thing would be to figure out if you were going to keep it and drive it or if you were just going to park it like the last person. No, I would drive it. You know, no, you got to drive it. Yeah, maybe I mean, not drive it every week. I drive it back more to work, but I drive it. I'm with you. You got to enjoy it. If it's yep. just going to sit there, I think there are better ways to spend your money, but neither here nor there. No, this would be. It would be fun. This would be a fun car. Yeah. This, you could cool. take it on oh, the you freeway. To... You could take it anywhere you want. You know what I mean? And you'd get some great looks. Yeah. I mean, this would be a great weekend date night car, you know? Yeah. I would take the plastic off the seats. It does have uh, T-tops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that looked like a T-top. Yeah. So, there you go, guys. Yeah. This is really... Um, it's got a nice looking interior too. With that nice tan seats and um, no, this would be it'd be a fun car, guys. It really would. So check it out. You know, there's um, that's it's going to be um, there's a that's a big deal. So that's that's going to be a good thing. So check out this kind of stuff. These are the kind of cars that you have some money sitting aside. You jump on them because this is what you always wanted. Because you're not going to yeah. really lose money on it. I don't think. And and this is something that's being sold by a, a dealer. I'm assuming this dealer hasn't held on to it for 30 years. So these are the type of deals you want to find before it gets to them. Yes. Yeah, because they're just going to bump the price up. Exactly. So check it out. So this is a fun thing. All right, folks. Uh, Jeremy, hope you have a great week you know post post thanksgiving is always a little downhill but we, right. you know here just think about it we just got a few more weeks till christmas exactly oh exactly uh, right then it's depending the, then it's how whole, you feel about that a whole new year a whole and new then we start over refresh yeah, a whole new congress but at least we're finally past all of the campaign ads yeah right i um, am so tired of campaign ads I'm so, still getting spam calls but i think they're they're just about something else now it's still probably my auto warranty yeah, there you go. <laughs> you see somebody broken down on the side of the road, you yell out going, hey, we called you about your extended warranty. <laughs> oh, my God. If someone <laughs> did that to me, I would be so mad. <laughs> you should have got the extended warranty. Yeah. <laughs>
Exactly. All right. Well, I will. Um, you know, it's real funny, real quick story, but a friend of mine uh, is a shop and he, th- these guys came in with one of the, one of the warranties. I think it was car shield or something. And, and he bought this warranty because he had it a 5.4 Ford and they were really bad about destroying the timing chain tensioners when they get to be 150,000 miles and this kind of stuff. They just wear them out. That's just part of the problems. Yep. And it, you have to pull the engine to fix it. And, um, and it's, you know, a several thousand dollar deal. It's like three or four or $5,000. And, um, and so uh, he buys this warranty and they, they tell him, this is a known defect from Ford. We're not going to cover that. Oh, that's a bummer. But when he bought the warranty, the, the the dealer goes, you know, this is a problem with them when you get high mileage. If you're going to drive it for high mileage, you need to buy this warranty so it'll take care of it. <laughs> so when he gets to the warranty, they said, no, we don't cover it because it's a known defect. That's, oh, well, uh... he's going to try to talk to him about it again, get a lawyer. But, you know, either way, it's kind of a pain. But, uh, you know, you got to worry about that kind of stuff. So, all right, folks. 